0: Good morning, church. Tuesday, I said to Charlene, "Um, I think I need to go and visit Courtney because I've got some songs that I want sung, and Charlene said to me, oh, she's already selected them, here they are, and they were perfect anyway, Courtney, so it was just awesome. So you really, I, I, I don't say you don't need a sermon, but you have already sung the summary of our sermon, so thank you, Courtney, and thank you, team. Pray before we really get into things, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We love you. You're the source of life and light. We thank you for the uh, for the word that you've that you've spoken out. We thank you for your Scripture. And right now, we uh, say we are submitted to your word, and we ask for you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us this morning powerfully and clearly through your word. We pray these things to our loving Father. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, last week, Carl gave you a little treat, didn't he? He teased you a little bit with a letter. He showed you a letter. Well, this this week I'm going to go one better on Pastor Carl. I'm going to show you my letter, and I'm going to read you the contents of my letter. To Nan and Garden. That's me, Garden. Garden. To Nan in Garden, I love you. Do you have a garden? How beautiful. So those are, that's a letter written by two little mokopuna who live down in the South Island. They just love dogs. So, so last week, Carl showed you that letter from Charlene. Wouldn't read it to us, but it was there to help us remember that the book of Revelation is actually a letter. It's a letter to seven churches, a letter to the church. So this morning we're going to, we need to remember that we're listening in on a letter from Jesus to the churches in Turkey, and uh, it is a timely read, it is a timely read. The storm of persecution had broken out across the churches, John, the author, the human author, must have offended the state because he was in exile. The great Lord and King, the Emperor, demonstrated his majesty and his power by sending John off into exile. And he, this great Emperor, who, one of them, who liked to call himself God and King, um, had thousands upon thousands, myriads of shining servants who were equipped to wipe away the church as easily as we wipe food scraps off the bench. Or would they? Or would they? As Carl said last week, this is a letter to the suffering church. Our brothers and sisters in China, Nigeria and Indonesia who are suffering today will hear it as a word of comfort, as a balm. So as we Listen to this letter and study the next couple of chapters. Let's hear it it as a word of comfort to our brothers and sisters who suffer, and possibly as a word of preparation for us, the church in Aotearoa. Brothers and sisters, we live in a secular age when some find belief in God outdated, and not a few regard followers of Jesus as haters. Enemies of progress. So let's listen to it in that context as well. Is there a gathering storm in this land? We'll return to that later. But for the churches of Asia, in Asia, the storm had broken. The polar blast had arrived. The storm had broken upon the church. How would they stand? How do we stand when the storm breaks Upon us. With those words, those questions, let's turn to God's Word and hear a few more verses from the revelation of Jesus the Messiah. So we're turning to Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 8 this morning. And Carl did the first half of verse 4, but we will read that as well to give us some context. So, Revelation chapter one, verses four to eight. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and he was and who is to come, the Almighty. Don't you love the revelation of Jesus to the churches? Don't you love it? Doesn't it feed your souls? When the storm breaks, when the storm breaks, the church will only stand if she knows her God And if she knows who she is, when the storm breaks, you will only stand. You will stand if you know your God and if you know who you are. In other words, know God, know your identity, know your God. He is the eternal I am, the one who forever was, forever is, and forever will be. Know your God, the one who is, the one who is the be in being, the one who is the cause of causality, the one who is the reason for reason. He is the just in justice. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the almighty. He is the seven spirits. That is the spirit of perfection, the perfect spirit of the perfect church, he is the faithful witness. He is Jesus. He was and is and is to come, the Savior, the one who was pierced. This revelation of the Bible uh, is, is summarized in one of the great creeds of the church, the Athanasian Creeds, which says, Eternal is the farmer. It concisely summarizes the scriptural revelation of God. It says, Eternal is the father. Eternal is the son. Eternal is the Spirit, and yet there are not three eternal beings, but one who is eternal. The Father was neither made nor created nor begotten. The Son was neither made nor created, but was alone begotten of the Father. The Spirit was neither made nor created, but is proceeding from the Father and the Son. This is the God whom we can know. This is the God that we can know. This is the God of love that we can be like happy dolphins swimming in the eternal sea of the triune love of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this morning, we notice that this passage just assumes a triune God. But it then it focuses in on Jesus as Scripture tends to do, assumes a trying God and focuses in on the revelation of Jesus, who is the radiance of God, of our God. So let's be like this passage and focus in on Jesus. Let's hear what it says about Jesus, who is the beginning and the end. Verse 5, Jesus is the faithful witness. Verse 5, Jesus is the faithful witness, Revelation is a letter that is written to churches that are going to be called, that are called to be faithful witnesses to Jesus, even unto death. And the writer is saying, thanks, babes, good spotting. It's cold this morning. <laughs> so this is written to a churches who are called to be faithful witnesses, and it is reminding us that our Lord Jesus is the first faithful witness unto death. He was a faithful witness to God as Father. He was a faithful witness to the world. More exactly, Jesus stood before kings and rulers and authorities and testified to the truth. When our brothers and sisters in the suffering church stand Before the authorities and testify to the truth, they're joining with the Lord in his suffering. Jesus proclaimed the good news of of God. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The fools and the sinners and the sick loved him. Many of the wise and the elite despised him. And conspired against him. So he was a man of suffering, acquainted with sorrows. He was like a lamb that before its shearers is silent. He was afflicted and he was afflicted and a priest and yet he did not open his mouth. He is Jesus, the faithful witness, the Lamb of God. He stood before kings and rulers and testified to the truth. If we are to be faithful witnesses... In this time, we must know our God, know our Jesus, love our Jesus, the faithful witness. And of course, the story didn't end there, did it? He was hated. He was executed by the state, a judicial execution, a public shaming. He was nailed to a cross, pierced by a Roman spear, and yet The firstborn, as the word says, was the pierced one, is the firstborn from the dead. If you want to stand when the storm breaks, know your God, know your Jesus, know our Jesus. He was cut off from the land of the living. But death could not hold him down. Death could not hold him down. He was and he is and he is to come. Each one of us, each one of us will die. Unless Jesus comes before our death, we will die. You will. But you have the promise. You have the promise that he is the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn. If you read on in Revelation, you'll see the great promise that we will be raised. He is the firstborn from the dead. Each one of us will be raised. And if you read on, you'll see he'll be raised to a judgment. We'll rise to be judged by the one who is just and true. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, written down in Jesus' book, you will rejoice. You will rejoice in a new city, in a new creation, in a new heaven and earth. That is our promise. So make sure your name is written in that book of life. To get your name written in that book of life, repent and trust and publicly confess the risen Jesus, that he is Lord, that Caesar is not Lord, kings and authorities are not Lord, that Jesus is Lord. If you do that, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. So we're still in verse five. We're still in verse five. Jesus is the firstborn, and he is the ruler of the kings of earth. The audacity of it. Jesus, the crucified one, pierced by a Roman spear, is the ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords. John is quoting from a psalm, Psalm 87, which we've got, should have up there on the screen. Psalm 87 says, He shall cry to me, you are my father. My God and the rock of my salvation, and I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. This is a Davidic psalm looking forward to Jesus, David's son. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. I'll establish his offspring forever, and as throne as the days of earth, as the days of the heavens. If you want to understand the book of Revelation... Don't go looking for all obscure numbers and all sorts of things. Get to know your Old Testament. There is hundreds upon hundreds of references to the Old Testament in this book. And I, there's so many even in these few verses, I had to just pick and choose a few references to the Old Testament. So the better you know the Old Testament, the more the more richness and truth and learning you'll get out of this beautiful book. So Jesus is in charge. Here's the king, not just Cinder, not Judith, not Biden, not Xi Jinping. Jesus is in charge. He's king, history will flow, and when time is right, the father will say, enough, it's time, and Jesus will return. That is the great promise we have right through this book. Jesus is king. This is what Daniel saw concerning him, and this is one of the pictures that is uh, returned to time and time again in this book. Daniel saw this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all peoples, Nations and languages should serve him. And isn't that the great hope as you read on in this book? All tribes, tongues, nations, languages, praising God together. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This is a book of hope, a book of hope. If we want to stand in these times, this is the one to whom we must cling the one whom we must know, the one whom we must delight in. Jesus is the one who is the true witness, the firstborn from the dead, the one who will come on the clouds. Brother, sister, are you losing hope? Jesus knows you. He knows you. He knows you. He loves you. He loves you. Simple message, hey, Jesus loves me. This almighty coming king knows you, loves you, has freed you from your sin in him. And knowing him is grace and peace and hope and joy for troubled souls. He loves us. And here is the true context for understanding the love of God today. God's love is often misappropriated and but the proper context for hearing of God's love is seeing it worked out through the lamb who was slain the lamb who was slain loves you the father who sent the word at such cost loves you remember this is a letter to the churches And it's a letter saying to the churches, to the church, that Jesus loves you. Simple message. If you're in Christ, Jesus loves you. If you're in Christ, your true identity is beloved, beloved, bride, forgiven, freed, Freed is who you are. Who are you? Who are we? Who am I? It's one of the leading causes of today's anxiety epidemic, isn't it? Who am I? What is my identity? And the answer, if you are in Christ, is that you are one who is loved and has been freed from your sin. He loves. He loves. Present tense. He loves. He has freed. Past tense. Freed. Loves. And there's more, isn't there? That's enough. That's enough. But there's more. There's more. You are a kingdom. We are a kingdom of priests. We are a kingdom of priests created to glorify him. Created for a purpose, for a destiny. Verse 1, we are God's servants. Verse 6, we are priests. Jesus' kingdom is made up of Jesus' priests. There you are, priests. Jesus is in charge. We are owned by him. We are his priests. All of us, not people with white collars, not people who know greek not people who've spent time at bible college although they are included if you love jesus just <laughs> and they do we do have to unlearn a bit of stuff when we get out of those places but yeah we love jesus if you love jesus if you have repented and been baptized if you trust in his death and resurrection to free you you're a priest we are a nation of priests to our living God. And what do priests do? Priests pray, priests intercede. Priests pray for the, for the suffering brothers, our suffering brothers and sisters in North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Sudan, Pakistan, and India. We pray, we intercede for our brothers and sisters. Christian, know your God and know your identity. You're a priest, worship Jesus. Revel in Jesus. Know who you are in Christ. Live and work as priest. If you're a gardener, make your garden sing to the glory of God. Whatever your work is, be a priest in that workplace. Make your work to the glory of God. Pray that God's Spirit will so fill you that you can enjoy working to his glory priests, teach our young ones, teach our young ones to worship God. Mediate God to our young ones. Priests, beloved of Jesus, bride of Jesus, invite the thirsty to come. Invite the thirsty to come and dwell with Jesus. Call out to God to have mercy on this land, this land where we sense that the elite in this nation are not always happy with us Christians. Priests mediate between God and man, between God and humanity. And just for a few few seconds, I want to consider that the storm had broken upon the seven churches and just ask yourselves, is a storm gathering here in this land? Some of you who work, or well, probably most of us at work, will know that often we self-censor. We guard our tongues, what we say. And you'll, sense you'll have that relief um, when you have a brief catch-up with another believer. Perhaps you scuttle out and have a coffee with another believer. Just a little catch-up. And it's a relief because you're letting your guard down and you can be yourself. Perhaps that's your experience. As a storm gathering here, one day, could the state possibly use postmodern literary theory and a bit of dodgy scholarship to deconstruct the Bible for us? Could they send out a booklet um, to help us understand the Bible from their perspective, Send it out to our faith-based schools. Well, some of you might know the Ministry of Social Development have just done that. They've just done that. Is that a sign of a gathering storm in the nation? Is it a sign of a gathering storm? So if you're not aware of that, it was a a rainbowish book sent out to the faith-based schools and as I read it, it's about seventy pages long. As I read it, I thought, if you are not prepared, if you're a student or in a teacher, and you're not prepared, this would seem very plausible. So I just wanted to put up some resources, particularly if you are a teacher. Um, this one would be well, would be good, great to read. It's a book called *The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self* by Carl Truman. He's a world-regarded. Um, Academic, he's a world-regarded historian, and it gives us the history of how we got here, the history of thought of how we got here. Pretty heavy duty, worth reading, but it'll take a bit of, bit of time to get through. So that's one resource. A couple more, a bit more accessible. Parents, may, I would advise you to have a read of this. And the reason I think this guy is worth reading is because first page of that grey book there, he tells us that he calls himself a same-sex attracted man. So he's someone I want, to, I want to listen to and hear from his perspective. So two books there. One, Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Ilbury? And number two, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? So important resources in this context. Okay, enough of politics. Enough of that. Are you in the midst of a storm of personal sorrow and trouble right now. Here's what the Spirit says to us. Kia te tangata e hia nu ana. Kia noa te e te tangata e hia ana. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires it who desires to take the water of life without price. If you are thirsty, if you are thirsty, Jesus is the one who quenches our thirst. If you are in the midst of a storm of sorrow and trouble right now, he is the one. He is the one who is, who quenches our thirst. He is the water of life. Friends, friends, Earlier I told you that the storm had broken upon the church. The great Lord and King, the Emperor, had thousands upon thousands of glittering soldiers and the mightiest technology of the day, the mightiest war machine the world had ever seen. Surely they could wipe away the church as easily as we wipe food scraps off the counter. Well, you know how it went. There's an old story, old song. I fought the law and the law won. The empire fought the church and the church won. The church won. She was nothing. She was a few scattered, weak, dysfunctional, scrapping it out congregations. They were so weak, but she outlasted, outlived the greatest empire the world had ever seen. She didn't win by violence. She didn't win by anger. She won by faithful, unyielding, flinty, steely witness to and devotion to Jesus. They were a kingdom and priests, and so are we. Priests, priests of the living God, Let's together worship this Jesus of ours, this Jesus who's King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus, the faithful witness, the first one from the dead, the one that we love, the one who loves us, the one who has freed us. Let's stand and worship him. Thanks, team.